0: from the uh, live live to audio tape from the Swing Thoughts Learning Center. <laughs> it's another episode of Swing Thoughts, everybody. Brought to you by TaylorMade, the number one driver in golf. And by Adidas Golf Canada. And the new tour, 360 2.0. Visit adidasgolf.ca. And uh, with my broadcast partner now of many years, Tim Is it O'Connor? Are you there? Yes. Yes, I'm here. Excellent. Nice word. to be nice
1: to be on this show with you once again. Yes, it's been very, very long time that we've been doing this. I think this is show sixty-eight, I think. Sixty-eight.
0: Many. Many shows. <laughs> I was gonna say 68, that's all. You're almost 68, but you're not. You're just a baby. Just a I'm little. well
1: away from 68. I know.
0: I'm 10 years away.
1: Gosh.
0: Nine and a half years away from 68. But I'm 68. in my seventh decade. Yes, and looking good, people. Our Thank boy you. Tim O'Connor takes care of himself. He takes care of his own business. Um, I'm golf spiritual leader Tim O'Connor from O'ConnorGolf.ca. And, of course, the uh, Humble and Fred Show Baked fresh each and every day at humbleandfredradio.com. Before we get to what we were going to talk about, don't forget TaylorMade, don't forget Adidas. We're so grateful to our sponsors that make this show possible and make um, all this great golf gear. I must say my 790s. I'm in love with them now. I've had them for about, I'm going to say three or four weeks. Every once in a while, I hit it too far, but whatever. (laughs) Good problem to have, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I'm um, working on the, uh, I got twist face technology in my M4 3-wood, and I just got my M4 driver, and I have yet to uh, play with it, but I have played around on the range with it, and it seems impossible to pull hook. So I'm just, I'm pretty excited about that. And believe right, me, what, I've tried. What, what about your block right thing? What does it do for that? I don't want to talk about it. Uh, now every once in a while I, I um I don't know what I'm doing but uh every once in a while I'll get this high floaty shot to the right like almost like a sky toe whatever the sky toe sky toe <laughs> um I also wanted to mention off the beginning of this program and this wasn't we hadn't really planned to talk about this but I have a feeling after watching this past weekend yeah <laughs> I have a feeling that uh, that I, I think Tiger Woods is either going to win the U.S. Open or contend at the U.S. Open. Ooh, What do you think? Ooh. And O'Connor's been, by the way, a few kids don't remember. O'Connor's been covering golf, man and boy, for some... <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? Just for some time now. Just for incredulity, my
1: stupid way of saying credibility I was there I was there at the 1997 Masters
0: this is what I'm saying Tiger
1: Woods won see so that's how old I am Mm. I witnessed him as a a mere young lad a sapling of a boy win the Masters first man of color to do that it was amazing
0: well one of the the great things.
1: go ahead yeah Yeah, we we do Doth get uh, distracted easily Um, US Open could he contend Yes, he could.
0: Do you know why I say that? He's...
1: No, why? Because, because of... his ball striking
0: was off the charts. He led it. He he led in every category: strokes gained, uh, all of that, hitting the golf ball. Although proximity, apparently, and
1: we can talk about it later, doesn't mean jack nothing. No, but...
0: I know. I'm just talking about his consistency. The kind of ball oh, striking. Yeah. The kind of ball striking. I don't think four months ago or whenever this thing started. <clears throat> excuse me. I don't think people saw that coming. I know I didn't just oh, yeah. his ability I mean, to work the golf ball and hit his
1: targets yeah. and hit hit the ball it, what's always been really interesting <clears throat> with Tiger is how he hits ball the the exact distances. I don't think a player maybe since like Johnny Miller has been able to dial in the distance the way he does. You know, he he's just incredible that way. Even like pin it out of the rough and be able to hit these incredible shots. So that was very very cool, but but he looked very uncomfortable with the putter, and you know, but that that does happen. Yeah. And so he'll get two weeks to figure that out. Back in uh, is it Jupiter, Florida? He lives. Yeah, I
0: believe so. Well, d- yeah, south putting on the um, U.S. Open greens at shiny cock. Um, ah, uh, putting me. there. What's that? You did say that, <laughs> <Yeah>. didn't you? <laughs> putting at, uh, at that venue. In the, happens,
1: in the, ver- in the shiny At Shinycock.
0: Um, he'll figure it out. If he were the opposite, like if he had just finished that tournament and was number one strokes gained putting, but couldn't find the fairway like he, you know, remember, folks, it was only a few short months ago. Couldn't find the fairway with his tee shots, was all over the golf course, was missing it every which way. And then you cut to this weekend, and that was some pretty pretty impressive stuff. Anyway, that's all. And that's all I want to say about that, sir. Unless you have something to add.
1: No, I well, the only thing I would add was that he's he's the, the most one of the most incredible golfers to ever play the game. So why should we be surprised that he's able if he's putting in the work and this is what his focus on golf is. I I have to surmise that the other parts of his life are in alignment right now. There's not a lot of distraction. And so if he's if his body's healthy, the back there were he was talking about the back being a little wonky, people were concerned about that. Why should we su- be surprised that he's got that kind of control? You know, con- you know, just look at the career he's had.
0: Um again, not to dwell on it, but a couple months ago, you wouldn't have been thinking the weekend of uh, the memorial that he would have come this far that quickly uh last weekend or last week the guelph griffins our uh swing thoughts uh, favorite uh, university team coached by my boy timmy went out to the national championships and uh what a great time i was listening to your stories on uh, sunday when we were together about your time with the boys and a girl and um To be around young people who are dedicated to the game of golf. And uh, do you want to give us a little uh, Griffin update?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Yeah, it was a blast and a half. Um, The team, you know, we'll take the the playing of the game stuff. Um, The team as a whole, the men's side, didn't play as well as we did the year before. I think part of it was, as you had said before, they canceled April. Yeah. So they didn't have as much competitive golf under their belt. And our captain, uh, Mark Anthony, uh, Mannion, actually has a torn meniscus in his right knee. So, yeah. so he, so he was struggling. So, um, so anyway, we were tied third after uh, the first round, but just pretty spotty after that. And, uh, so we did make the cut for, to go into the final round on Friday, but two of our players, uh, Mark, uh, uh, Matthew Vihant and Nick Stryker uh, had pretty good tournaments. So they made it in and they, they finished about um, 35th and 37th. So good tournament for them. But was the, the nice surprise was uh, Sarah Dunning. Uh, she has transferred from the University of Toronto where she had won uh, an individual OUA Women's Championship. Wow, what a player. She's a mm-hmm. plus handicap, uh, really amazing swing. And she shot a 67 in the third round and finished second. And so, so everyone's really excited to have her join the team uh, come the fall. Uh, we're gonna have a we have a really great men's team. A lot of uh, uh, younger guys who now have more experience. And Sarah will obviously be the linchpin for the women. So, so on the golf side, that was uh, it, there was some uh, good stuff, not so great, but overall pretty solid uh, on the um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say on the uh, other side. It was just a gas and a half to hang out with total golf nerds, uh aged 19 to 22 for a week. What what a lot of fun. And I thought it was really interesting on Thursday night we're watching the golf channel and these guys are so into it. And one of the guys, uh Trevor, he knows how to imitate Jordan Spieth and how he talks to his caddy. It was just a riot. And um, so it was cool for me because I could just be one of the guys when it was appropriate. And when you know, I had my coach hat on, that worked too. So it, it was a, a great time. We shared a house. And what a beautiful portion of the world, Chilliwack, B.C., the mountains there. Um, so it was a great, great trip. Um, and uh, I just felt uh, actually rather blessed to be able to hang with these these guys for a week and just enjoy their company and uh, just their youthful Zest for life. How's that?
0: How um, did you get a chance, uh, Tim O'Connor, to play a uh, little golf as well?
1: Did played Richmond Golf Club on Saturday. Um, really great golf course. Very tight. The trees, like they grow, you there all year, right? Mm-hmm. So they're rather tall and dense. So that was um, that was fun. Didn't play particularly well, and then uh, played this course called uh, Pagoda Ridge. On Sunday, uh, that was really good too. So that was really fun to get out, and my brother Sean even joined us. So that was swell to have bro time.
0: You know, when I moved to uh, Vancouver from Moose Jaw, my Saskatchewan friends are like, "Oh yeah, how do you stand it? It's it's raining all the time." And I said, "Well, the cool <laughs> thing about it is in February when it stops raining, you can go golfing."
1: Yes, there's like some solace in that. No, I. I love the area. I've been out to BC a few times, but um, so often we just kind of, we just stand there and look around and go, wow, this is amazing.
0: No, I know. It's something else. I, I was lucky because I went from the prairies when I was a kid. I moved to Vancouver when I was 19. Then I moved to Alberta when I was like 21. So I had a, about a four or five year stretch when I was surrounded by mountains after growing up, you know, with basically, oh. you, know, you know, huge flat Prairie, but big sky country, whatever. Right. But uh, I used to do that too in Vancouver especially. I would just go out to the ocean and I would just look because it was so odd to me that the world could look like that. Yeah. It really yeah, is absolutely. stunning. Yeah. Well, and by the way, I was up north in Ontario this last couple of days. I mean, it's beautiful up there too. It just oh. just looks different than it does where you were. Hmm.
1: Yeah. No, I we had a great time. So uh, uh, it's kind of like back to back to work to real world you
0: know yeah um, here's my first question before we get to it, Tim and I were part of a uh, seminar together on Sunday boy I was happy to, to be there with you
1: yeah me too it was awesome
0: no I wasn't it was funny because I was sitting there as we were getting ready and there's a bunch of kids there and a few adults And then I'd forgotten that you were going to be there. And then you sort of snuck up behind me and, and, you know, patted me on the back. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's my nerd buddy. (laughs) I was so happy you were there. I was like, Tim,
1: yes. uh, Was it it perhaps because suddenly you weren't the oldest guy in the room by 20 years? Uh,
0: No, (laughs) no, Tim, doing your funny comedy bits. Yeah, no, I just enjoyed the fact that you were going to be there with me and then we could talk about it today. But yeah. but before we get to this seminar we took this um, golf nerd uh, emporium, a round awesome. table. Here's a question I would have to you about hmm. about this person that I know. Uh, his name is uh, not important, but it rhymes with Howard. <laughs> 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 um, uh, y- yes, I'm listening. So, so this guy that I know, uh, again, I don't want to name any names, but Could he be a golfer? Uh, yeah, he's a golfer. Oh, Okay, yeah. he's a golfer named. Uh, I think his name, his name is Goward. Goward Hasman. Does he live in Toronto? Whatever. Okay. <laughs> so um, it's been interesting for this gentleman this spring, and I don't know what it is. Whether I'm not him, whether he's not playing enough, <laughs> careful, or but it's a weird. I'm I'm having a weird spring, and and people are going to be like, well, shut up. But I'm I'm playing better. When it counts, than I am. I told you this on Sunday. I can't seem to figure out how to sh- play around to golf unless there's something going on. And, um, like my everyday play isn't very good. You know, like the day before I saw you, I shot. I don't even know what it was. I think I shot 80 or 81. And, um, the week that I only played a couple of days before that in men's and I shot 78 yet in a tournament, I've shot 76. I've shot some decent numbers and I just wonder what, what I, what do you think's going on there? Hmm.
1: Well, let me uh, answer your question with a question. What are you, when you go to show up for these casual rounds, if you will, what are you focused on? Do you, do you arrive there with any kind of, um, you know, focus on process for the day or anything, or is it just show up, uh, get to the course, you know, warm up and, and take off?
0: Um, no, I usually for like my, my big practice days when I'm at the golf course, so usually Wednesday before men's night, I'll go through a good couple of hours of my putting practice and my short game. I show up pretty much ready. My pro- I know what my problem is on Wednesdays is that by the time the back nine comes, I'm done. You know, I'm physically tired, and I'm an old man. The last Wednesday, I was even par through 10 holes, and the last eight holes, I was six over par. Right. And not for any – I didn't get mad or anything. I just got tired. Um you get that.
1: So my question was, is that what is the no, – What compare, contrast that to when you show up in a tournament, are you – have you kind of got a game plan – uh, in terms of say process that you're gonna work on that day uh like an, a, kind of like a, an intention for yourself uh you know that I'm gonna go and i'm gonna play you know like i remember you said a couple weeks ago and I loved it that you know you're gonna go aggressively at conservative targets or I, I'm just wondering is there a difference in the mindset
0: yeah for sure think? there must be
1: okay, um so and- which if you had to guess which do you think it is is it that you're showing up kind of like unprepared, if you will, like, uh, no, I think in the
0: casual was- rounds, I'm showing up working on my golf swing a little bit more using it as a practice to sort of see if I can get some feels that I'm working on and getting them comfortable. And then when I show up for a tournament, I'm not doing any of that. I just show up to play right. the game and last, Well, and that's, and I think that's it. I'm getting more frustrated in casual rounds than I am in, reg- in like in tournament rounds.
1: Mm-hmm. so in a in a casual round, are you like you hit a shot and you go like, you know what, maybe I'm not pivoting or I'm not doing this or that and then and then trying to incorporate that in your next swing, okay, this time I'll make sure I do x or z, yeah,
0: yeah, i'm a you little bit more, I'm a little bit more in practice mode, I would say in a casual round, and yet i it bugs me, and I'm gonna be honest with you, part of me thinks you know you know again, this is all ego and but, like, I'm like, all oh, these other guys are shooting good numbers. They can't be trying any harder than me. You know, it's like, why my why aren't I shooting 72 every day? Well, maybe that's the point. Maybe they aren't trying hard. Ah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Maybe. There's my, Yoda. There's my try or do not try. No, what is it? No, that Yoda thing. I'm messing it up. Yeah, well, no, but you're yeah, right. Do it's, or do it's... not do, there is no try.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean and now it's kind of got a little bit into my head. I'm going, well, it's now the 5th of June and I've and I haven't shot even par yet and I'm you know, I've got the mid-am in 2 weeks and again, the irony is I'm less concerned about that because I know that I have this mode I go into now in tournament play where I go, I don't care what's going on with the golfing motion. How do I get this ball in the hole? Right. And well, move that's on. the
1: way you play golf. And I've heard this from a lot of tournament players. Is the casual rounds, they just find it harder to focus. It's more about just fun and thus it's harder to make an actual number. Scoring in golf is hard to do. It takes discipline. It takes, you need to be monitoring yourself. It takes a high degree of self-awareness and energy. So when you go into a casual round, probably, you know, as you said, on Wednesday, you're kind of tired maybe even just to start with. So you don't have the same amount of mental energy. Whereas there's something that when you go into a tournament, even if you would say physically tired, you're jacked up. You got some adrenaline going. So it, it, and I love the fact that you're saying that in a tournament round, you're not focused on making this correct golf motion. It's about hitting shots. It's about scoring. That's the diff- That's I got to think that's part of the difference.
0: And I and I I'm, I knew I know the answers would sound self evident and obvious, but I will share with. I like to share the fact that I, I'm finding it very frustrating this year. And I'm trying to detach myself from what does that, you know, handicap number really mean. All I really want to do is do well when the, when the pressure's on. And I yep. also know having what you just said about my, <clears throat> my phrase about canceling April, I, I'm way behind in terms of number of rounds that I would normally be by this time. But I'll also tell you I'm not playing as many rounds of golf this year because I'm in love <laughs> but it's true, you know I yeah, no, I yeah, I'm not playing six times a week anymore because I don't have time, and it's not yeah. fair uh I am going to you know I've got a golf club in my hand as many times in a week on Friday, a uh, new girlfriend and myself spent the day at rattlesnake Point. we hit you know she's love she's loving this, hit balls, worked on some short game stuff, played a few holes on the rattler. But I'm not playing six times a week, so maybe there's some of that that I'm a little bit, you know, just a little bit out of practice in terms of yeah, scoring. But
1: that makes sense to me. You're gonna play a lot of golf to to to, sh- to be a consistent scratch player. That that's that takes a lot of golf it, it, because the margin for error is so small in golf. But when you play a lot of golf, you're just more on top of yeah, variants that seep in from day to day.
0: Um, anyway, I just want to share that with you. You know, it's funny. Like, I was well, there's a lot to th-
1: of good stuff there for, for our listeners.
0: Well, right, sure. and it's I and I'll stuff. be honest with you. I was starting to feel so. Sort of like last Wednesday, I played with three other people. The group handicap. This is why I'm going to finish the story because something happened I've never seen before. The group handicap was, you know, less than scratch because there was a plus two, a plus one, a zero, wow. and me. Uh, the four scores of the group were 68, 72, 72 and I shot 78. but until the last six or seven holes, one guy was two under and the rest of us were all even. It was a great it was really fun to watch because sure. we were all you're talking about four people everyone's hitting fairways and greens and it was just it was just a real interesting rhythm <clears throat> excuse me and about the I'm gonna say the seventh or eighth hole we played that night was a par five. And the group score was five under par. So one guy got an eagle, and the other three of us made birdies. And I said as we were leaving the green, I said, I don't think I've ever seen that before. Like, wow. it, it was cool. And the guy that made the eagle, actually, he was he got his eagle first because he hit his second shot to about, you know, a foot and a half. Um, and then the rest of us birdied on top of that. But when the third person made the birdie, I was the first, so when the third person made the birdie, I was like, I don't think like that's really rare. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Well, that's so cool. Like
1: uh,
0: when people play with better
1: players, they usually draft off that off yeah. the rhythm just and learn things. And there's just there's just a there's just something that happens. It's I think it's a natural part of mimicry that we all do.
0: So let's, uh, how should we introduce this? Uh, let's remind everyone, TaylorMade and Adidas, our sponsors, are uh, very fine folks, and we recommend them highly. You know, if you're one of those people that are going, is this twist face for me? It is for you. Trust me. So we were together, uh, Tim and I, at the seminar at Glen Abbey on uh, Sunday. Why don't you describe it as I try and clear my throat? Okay.
1: Uh, yeah, we're Invited by Sean Casey, the director of instruction at Glen Abbey. And he brought in this fellow Scott Fawcett, who was a former PGA Tour uh, caddy, and he'd also played uh, professionally. I think he'd been on the Web.com at least twice, I think, something like that. And the guy has always been a real math nerd. I think he said he had three degrees, <laughs> but a really smart, smart guy. And what he what he's done is essentially. Parse the numbers to the nth degree. Um, you know, he's become an expert in strokes gained. That whole thing, but studying uh, the games of like, I think he studied like nine years of Tiger Woods, like every round, every shot. I mean, mm-hmm. oh my god! So that's the background. And so what he's done is he's come up with uh, this system called uh, Decade Golf, in which he's uh, a key component of it is is basically where to aim. You know when you're hitting into hitting approach shots and drives and stuff, and I found it just really fascinating and interesting. Um, like for sake of example, he was saying that you know all these people think that they shoot, you know, they hit hit the ball and they, yeah. I, I always draw it right. Well, if you really hit 107 irons, you'd really see that the best you can do is kind of a shotgun. Some mm-hmm. are gonna be left, some gonna be right. So in essence just to parse it to its most um, elemental piece is just put your target in the middle of the shotgun and stuff like that and I just went wow that just makes so much sense and he's got the 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 background and the math to to back it up so I found it fascinating there's a lot of really cool stuff that uh, that I took out of it
0: so decade stands for distance expectation correct target analyze discipline and execute and You know, what I found, I found a lot of things fascinating that what you just explained about how most people, rather than trying to work the ball in and cut it into a back right pin, if you just hit it to sort of, you know, the middle of your shot pattern, some of the balls that you would hit would eventually end up close, but it's the ones that you don't hit perfectly that end up on the green versus in a hazard in trouble. But the thing I found Mm. fascinating is what he has is a little takeaway card and on it, are a bunch of distances and then what the PGA Tour average to hole out from that distance is so let's just take something generic from 150 yards the PGA Tour average to hole out from that point in a in a golf hole is is 2.95 so that means if you're hitting your second shot on a par 5 on a par 4 is this right? Yep.
1: It would take you two point. So they would hit. Yeah, you would hit basically three shots, close to three shots. So you're gonna hit that shot. There's one, and you hit another shot. There's two, and then the putt for the third. You, if you're gonna two putt, almost to- no. But how
0: does that work on a par four? If your second shot on a par four is one fifty, you're not taking. Yep. Oh, that is. You're taking. Well, that including that shot, you're taking almost three to get in. I get it. Correct. So yep, the, from, from 150 yards on the PGA Tour, they average 2.95 strokes, including the one you're hitting. So think about that, that, and that really, and the reason I want to dwell on this is the rest of us, and I'm a one-gusting-to-a-two handicap, So, but the rest of us have these expectations. That's a big takeaway for me, is oh, that, yeah. you know, if a guy in the Tour only averages just under three shots from that distance. You know, when you make a bogey or I make a bogey, so what? You know, that's that's a tour average from 200 yards. Tour players average 3.19 shots. That means they average a bogey from that right. point or just over a par. So yeah. what would our average be? It would be a bogey from 200 yards. If I'm 200 yeah. yards in on a par four, it either means one of two things. I'm playing a long par four into the wind, or I've hit a poor tee shot. And by the way, these numbers we're giving you are from the fairway. Now you add the rough, and you start adding quarter shots on top of that, and it's chaos. And it shows us that we, our expectations as average amateur golfers really need to be tempered. That was my takeaway.
1: Yeah, that's, that's what I thought, too. So much of what he's talking about allows us to to kind of chill out, and I'm hearing an echo on my voice, so that's why it's kind of hard to talk there for a second. Um,
0: Uh, Are you okay now?
1: Yeah, I hear no echo.
0: Because when I I turned my mic off, so I could clear my throat, Um, because sometimes at this time of the day, I get a very. uh, I'm going to take a fisherman's friend. There.
1: Oh, fisherman's friend over the competition. Fisherman's friend does the trick?
0: Yeah. Okay, I, I use it all the time. Here it is. Look at okay. it. Okay. Okay, I'll move along. So, but back to your uh, point
1: about we all need to yeah, chill so, out a little okay, bit. so yeah, we put way too much pressure on ourselves that we should, you know, if we've got, if, if I draw my irons that, you know, I should always be hitting the ball, you know, to land on the right side of the of the pin and all that kind of stuff. Well, gosh, the pros don't even freaking do that. So to me, it was almost like the the message I took was that in all parts of my game, Every once in a while, if I'm lucky, the ball's going to get close.
0: That's right. That's what he said. You and, just get you know, lucky like, sometimes.
1: And he said that by by playing in this way, by not shooting at pins but more at, say, targets, mm-hmm. that was a key takeaway I got from about what made Tiger so good, is that Tiger didn't shoot at pins, he hit at targets. So, And that's the discipline part of that, is hit at the target, and every once in a while – you know, let's say you've got a, the pins cut left and you aim right, but you pull it a bit. You might have a two-footer for birdie. You get mm-hmm. lucky.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know? One of the things and he put it, up on the screen... the
1: ball just gets in the way.
0: Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, one of the things he put up on the screen that I love and I, I took a screen cap of it is good golf. This is a Duval saying that good golf is the result of a bunch of average golf. Stop playing what if. And that's really what... You know, I'm going to play again tomorrow for the first time since we took this seminar. And I think what I'm going to take away and, and really consider tomorrow is, you know, it's not about how, I know we all say this, not about how good your good shots are, but it really is about just making a bunch of average, you know, you're, you're just, you know, sometimes I try and hit my driver as hard as I can for some reason. And tomorrow, what I'm going to do is try and hit fairways because- right. Fairways are everything. Even longer from the fairway is better from the rough. And on this little takeaway card he gave us, coming from the rough, check this out. From 100 yards from the fairway, um, PGA Tour average 2.80. From the rough, cost you 0.25 shots. From the sand, let's say you've got 100 and, uh, I got hundred yards from the sand. Well, those guys from the sand add um, from 100 yards at 3.3 that's what they would do from 100 yards so they're averaging over par from 100 yards from the center what are we going to do exactly so what you said I I like what you said about it is stress less about it because and that's what I think you know if we could show this to our our listeners like you would see that I mean there's a system that he's got in place and and that's going to take some time to implement for me at least but just the overview of oh I have 170 from the rough. So I really, my expectations should be tempered somewhere around the green and see if I can get it up and down.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, you could actually dumb this down to hit for the middle of every green. Exactly. And see, and see what happens. And, and it was so cool what he was saying that you're going to have, you're going to have less, you, you're going to have, what is it? You're going to have longer birdie putts but more of them. Yes. And versus, you know, trying to, you know, short side yourself, you know, you know, or, you know, getting out of the water, like on this little card system, he was saying that, um, you know, you just play away from death, like water and that type of thing. And, and really tough, you know, bunkers cut, you know, close to the green, you just play away from that stuff. And that, in essence, it just sounds like smart golf. And, you know, he said there was a, a guy in the Crowd, I think, a shot say ninety or something like that, and he said that if, he yeah. it, if he caddied, if he for him, that he could cut that guy five seven strokes. And it was very similar to
0: how to our the way we started this podcast. He was basically saying the same thing we were originally, which is six shots of your round in the nineties is just you making bad decisions, right? And by the way, what Tim just said too, the the very essence of this is aim for the middle of every green. And you'll be fine. Basically. You know, I'm going to try and implement this. I was going to get together with Casey and overlay this tournament course I'm going to be playing the mid-am on. Just to be a little bit, to sort of fine-tune some of the quadrants of the green. Because I think I have enough control over my golf ball. But when in doubt, I'm going to do what you said. I'm just going to... Because the place I'm playing has got small greens. I'm just going to aim for the middle of the green. And if I'm in the trees, that's the other thing he said. You know, unless how he put it was in the 90 deg- 90% rule, if you're trying to chip out of the trees and you're, if you can't hit that shot 90% of the time, go sideways because, 100%. you know, going sideways on a par four. So now you're hitting three from the fairway. You still have a very good chance to bogey that hole. Yeah. Cause he
1: was saying oh, the whole thing is just avoid others, avoid doubles and triples. And you're going to, you're going to score pretty well because, yep. You, you make a bunch of pars and you know if you make a birdie or two great he said the tiger said if you shot 69 or 70 great every once in a while he's going to get lucky and I thought wow this just makes so much sense it's like you know it's like he showed the video I think of the USAM and he's catting for the kid for the kid who wins and they got the the camera on the kid and he said that he think he sort of like hit hit a sandwich fat and skanked it out to the right But it hits the side of the green and then rolls in and the kid wins from a bad golf shot. Yep. You know, that's what happens in
0: this game. You know, what he said about uh, even tour players, he said if if the research he's done, and this is for everybody, by the way, it's not making more birdies because that's what I think. I think, oh, I got to make five birdies around. He said, make less doubles and penalty shots and you don't need to make any more birdies. You know, I right. think I'm putting a lot of stress on myself in these casual rounds because you know I gotta shoot. I will have lower scores if I just make less doubles because that day when everyone shot in the you know their best rounds, I finished with two doubles and three three putts in the last eight holes. So eliminate a three putt, eliminate two doubles. I shoot 75 versus 78. Does that make me a better person? No, but it's a lower <laughs> score. Absolutely. You know what I mean?
1: Well, you know. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And it, it goes with, like I was saying about, you know, stop trying. What this guy, Fawcett, was saying, he says, stop trying to make birdies and stop trying to make putts. You know, just, you just kind of do your best. Yeah. And sometimes the ball goes in the hole. Sometimes the ball bounces onto the green near the pin. I mean, that just makes
0: a ton of sense. What he said about putting, I, I, I loved because, you know, I, I really, it's, it's been the best part of my game this spring. My approach putting because I because I practice it and he gave us a couple yeah, yeah. of great drills but I really practice my path, my short putts and my, my lag putting, and uh, you know three putts aside as I mentioned, you know what he said was basically forget line, forget it. He said basically get your speed down and every once in a while the ball will go in the hole, but if you can make stressless pars and bogeys all day it makes the game easier and and he basically gave us a couple of drills but 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 he really stressed that speed even on a shorter putt an 8 10 6 footer that speed's more important than line because speed makes the hole bigger for longer
1: absolutely this is i thought what was really cool to me was that i've been doing like more and more reading uh, that i've been doing uh, including the mark brody book about strokes gained uh, is that it really is in putting it's all about speed it's all about speed and how you know when you go hit the ball let's say you know there's been the conventional wisdom of you know according to dave Pell's, uh hit the ball 18 inches past the hole um but the hole shrinks the fir- the the faster the ball is going the hole actually shrinks in in kind of like physics world so to speak right so when you hit it when you worry when it's more about the speed you just give yourself a better chance it's going to catch an edge and topple in rather than lip out or just go past
0: you know that whole thing is i took the uh as you know you would expect i i went to a dave pell short game school in the 90s you know when i was, when I was going through uh,
1: was, was that the week after the jim mcclain x-factor thing
0: maybe or that was
1: that, the, day, <laughs> that was when the David Ledbetter, the dog, wagged the tail. Yeah, the then dog... I went
0: to uh, the gravity golf guy in Arkansas. Okay. What about right. stack and plunge? Whatever. Did you go to stack and plunge? Why, not, why? You know, so I tried a few things. You know, <laughs> whatever. Um, but I took the, t- the <laughs> Pell Shore game school. There was some good stuff about chipping. But, you know, his whole thing is 18 inches by the hole, which has now been proven to make the hole smaller because if it's traveling the speed, at 18 inches, if it hits the hole, it's not going in. Yeah. Um, on the back of this uh, takeaway card he gave us, there were some great things about you know, psychology and mental stuff. But the one thing I would like to share with the uh, Swing Thoughts people is, on the PGA Tour, their average make percentage of four-footers isn't 100%, it's 88%. I say that to you people because if you miss a four-footer like me, you think, oh, I should make all of these. No, you shouldn't because sometimes they just don't go in. And I share that because sometimes I know for me, if I miss a four-footer, I think, well, did I not try hard enough? Am I not practicing hard enough? Am I not good enough? The other thing is from 30 feet, the PGA Tour average three-putt percentage is 5%. When I three putt from thirty feet, I think I'm a, a dick. <laughs> you know what I mean? I yeah, think I've yeah. done something wrong. But it's just from fifty feet, seventeen percent is the PGA Tour average. Like I I love this stuff because it makes the it made me feel like you know what I can give myself a break.
1: Absolutely, that's that's a key component I love about this is that you know why does everyone stress so much why does everyone expect this perfection and consistency and all that kind of stuff uh, the world's best you know at scoring these aren't you know P- people mistake that pj tour players are the best swingers of the ball they're not they're the best at scoring and they can't even get the ball down i remember like this was really interesting coming after a week of watching canada's best university golfers and these players are really really good in mm-hmm. canada and I was just joking to to this uh, woman I was walking along with. I said, why would you play this game? <laughs> why would you do this? You you hit this thing, and then you shoulder your bag, and you walk another 200 yards just to hit it again. Like That's kind of boring. It seems and absurd. Then, yeah, and then the other absurd part is you then take this short club on, on this very short grass and roll this ball, and it never seems to go in. I mean, really, when you watch you – know, I watched four – tournament round 72 holes and hardly anyone makes any putts yeah you know most putts yeah. miss absolutely so people lose perspective and that's what i loved about uh, a key part of this was kind of like hey just relax folks and if you play a little bit smarter you're actually going to play your score better yeah uh, because you don't have these high expectations and that's it it was really interesting that i was talking with um uh, Sean Casey afterwards and and this and what Scott Fawcett was talking about was things that you and I talk about all the time and that is respond don't react you know and and, and just eliminate the downward spiral which is basically we always joke about the uh, the death vortex spiral of oh I suck I'll always suck
0: you why, know, don't just, I, just, why don't I work harder how many more balls can I hit
1: all that he says just, just like just forget that crap and meditate he was all over meditation.
0: Which- well, because he, he's a big proponent of managing your state. And and one of the things, again, this that my takeaway was part of my state management sometimes is I expect so much more than is realistic. From 100 to 150 yards, I'll ask the question. Just pause for a second. What do you think the PGA Tour average from 100 to 150 yards greens in regulation, middle of the fairway? It's not a hundred percent. I I'm I think it's I can't see in mine. It's eighty. What's it say on yours? Because I'm just looking at a picture of it from 150 yards. Yeah, on the back of the card. Is it 84? Always. Uh, oh, 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 let's see.
1: G I R from average. 100. G I R is eighty
0: percent. Okay. So so from 100 to 150, it's eighty percent. Well, I'll tell you what. When I miss the green from 115, you should see the face oh, yeah. I I make. Oh, I like, get it. it yeah. I, I beat myself up. From one fifty to two hundred yards, PGA tour, best players on, on the earth, sixty eight percent. That means sometimes from one fifty one, Justin Thomas misses the green. Now, if I miss the green from one fifty one, again, you know, where's my uh where's my crying towel? Now, I
1: haven't practiced enough and when, and how come and all that and uh. it's, uh,
0: you know and I and that's my my my. When you ask what I think I'm going to think tomorrow Is I'm going to take this for a test drive tomorrow I'm going to take it out on the course with me With my card I'm going to make some you know, calculations Based on the formula thing he taught us But mostly I'm just going to say You know what Howard I'm not a PGA Tour player I'm an okay amateur um, And when I miss it from 152 tomorrow Like I could I'm going to say cool I'm, That happens to good players too
1: yeah, and I missed it to the right part of that green. So now I've given myself room to get up and down as opposed to I aimed at that pin I, and I, you know, overdrew it and now I'm short-sighted.
0: Anyway, it's great. It's, you know, I, I we there if you check this guy online, it's Scott Fawcett. No, I'm sorry. Is it, yeah, Scott? It's, I think if you go to
1: uh, Decade Scott golf. Fawcett and uh, playinglessons.com is yeah. one thing. So just real quick, I loved how, I also like the fact that he said uh, – I think we touched on this earlier. Um, you know, if you if you tend to fade the ball off the tee, just go with that. Don't yeah. bother trying on the on the right to left. Yeah, he's a big guy uh, of not try trying to
0: work it both ways.
1: Yeah, the, it was interesting. Casey said, I don't know about that yeah, part. Yeah, me,
0: I, I that part I wasn't but you know go ahead and explain it.
1: Well, I just think it so so if you tend to say draw the ball off the tee, even on holes for a right hander to go left to right. Hit your draw and just play for the middle of your shot pattern where it's going to land. And so same thing on on, um, approach shots. And it makes sense to me, a lot of sense, is just go with your shot uh, instead of trying to work it both ways. Because we've all got our kind of bread and butter shot that, you know, say – so mine has always been to draw my irons. So I've got a lot of reps in on drawing my irons and my swing – naturally tends to do that maybe you know i take it inside whatever and whatever happens produces a draw so then for me to suddenly go okay i'm gonna fade this one to the one right uh, pin yeah i'm i'm going against type i'm going against the pattern that i've done over and over again so it kind of makes sense i'm gonna be less consistent at doing that because
0: i don't have as many reps in Trying to fade it, and I'll tell you. Sometimes, again, it comes back to ego. As I think, well, I oh, yeah. know I can hit a cut. I know I should be so I because I know I can and I should be able to as a better player. I sometimes will go ahead and fire at a pin um, because I also tend to draw things. Um, although I, I mean, I, I can cut my driver pretty well. But his point was, don't just find one shot and hit it all the time. And I thought about that yesterday when I was practicing. I thought, you know, maybe I should. I did, I'm going to just share quickly one little thing before we go about my practice yesterday. And I, I, I because I was thinking about what he said about getting the ball on the fairway and how that's so much more important than how far you hit it. And so I, I took a grid, like he said, about 60 yards wide. So from, you know, I figured, okay, fairway's 40, but on either side, you've got some leeway with rough before it gets to. You know trouble, so I took ten balls yesterday, and I said to myself, "Okay, oh yeah, how many can you get in the fairway? Not how far can you hit your driver on a driving range?" And it was a just a. <laughs> in, I'm the only person on this range in Collingwood. It's raining. It's blowing. It's a four club wind right at me. No one's. I wouldn't walk the dog yesterday, but I'm out there. The bo- oh. the moral of the story is. What I did is I throttled back my effort rather than try and hit it as hard as I could. I said, okay, what is the effort level I need to get this ball in play? And out of those 10 drives, you know, I got half of them where it was clearly in the middle of the fairway. A few that were off the world and a couple that were fine. But it was about, I thought, oh, that's interesting because I mainly spend time with my driver on the driving range seeing how well I can hit it. Not, right. not practicing. Can't believe I just figured this out yesterday. Not practicing getting it in play.
1: Yeah, that I, I, dude. I did that last night too. I was the only guy on the range. at golf lake. Course, it's rain. It's raining. It's windy. I went. I gotta. I gotta check this out. All I was doing with with. I just kind of arranged down the down the range. I know that range. This range.
0: Tree, yeah,
1: this tree. This tree, and just. Cut it into there. Can you do that? I did it like about eight out of ten times.
0: Yeah. Because of your intention. Yeah, exactly. And and that's what I'm going to take away tomorrow when I play is I'm going to say, okay, Howard, rather than because I I, I don't try and swing my seven iron as far as I as hard as I can. But like a lot of people, I just get up and wail away on my driver. Not okay. That's 245 to there. If I can get this in the fairway, I'm going to have 170 in. Great. That's all I need. Yep. Yeah. Anyway. Absolutely,
1: I just want to finish off on yes, something sir. here. I just um, so in nineteen, I don't know, somewhere in the nineteen nineties, I I got to interview Bruce Litsky, and Bruce Litsky. For those who aren't uh, as old as we are, uh, he won uh, twenty-two uh, professional wins, thirteen on the PGA Tour, including two Canadian Opens. I mean, a great, great career. Bruce Litsky was renowned for always hitting a fade. Basically what he explained to me, he kind of came over the top. It was a bit of a pull, fade every, every shot. Very similar he to also, Matt
0: Kuchar's action.
1: Yeah, and actually Snead too. Snead actually, Snead pulled it. But anyways, and Litsky was renowned for never practicing. He didn't. He didn't practice. He didn't work on his swing. He didn't do any of that crap. That so many people do, always like, oh, I gotta take my game to a higher level, gotta do this, do that. Nope. He just played with what he had. And I remember just being fascinated.